Amen. We have visitors here tonight. Again, Colton, stand up and wave your hand. This is Colton Ginther. He's here tonight. Just make him feel welcome. And also, um, my friends, okay, Mike and Carla's, I should say Mike's in-laws, Carla's parents, okay, Walter and Karen Orzak. It's not the first time they've ever been here, but I think the first time you came originally, we were still over in the other building a long I won't say anything about theirs and my age, okay. But it was long enough ago that it was over in the other building. And again, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll take, this is the second message in the series of messages on take. On take. Before I start the message... I want you to think about different hymns. You know, we're, he just had us sing a new verse, right? And uh, Brother Andrew always tries to introduce new hymns to us. Well, you know, there's hymns for different uh, jobs that people have. Did you know that? Yeah, the dentist hymn, crown him with many crowns. The weatherman's hymn, there shall be showers of blessing. That's fitting for tonight. The contractor's hymn, the church's one foundation. The Taylor's hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. The Golfer's hymn, There is a Green Hill Far Away. The Politician's hymn, <laughs> Standing on the Promises. The Optometrist's hymn, He washed my eyes with tears that I might see. The IRS Agent's hymn, I Surrender All. Taxpayer's hymn, Won't It Be Wonderful There? The Gossip's hymn, what do you think that would be? Pass it on. Electrician's hymn, Send the Light. The Shopper's hymn, The Sweet By and By. The Realtor's hymn, I've Got a Mansion Just Over the Hilltop. The Ex-Speeding Driver's hymn, I saw the light. The fireman's hymn, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. The dishwasher's hymn, it's always darkest just before the dawn. The newborn's hymn, that's going to be appropriate in this building for the next few months here, right? That is just as I am. And the newlyweds' hymn, Wait a little longer, please, Jesus. And we will leave it alone with that. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit Unto his stature. 
And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I started this last Wednesday night, and we talked about you know the, this world's attitude makes everything about self. And, and I told you, different things have been said to me. Okay, I just need to do what makes me happy. It's my body. I'll do what I think is best for me. And I said that's continuing to be an issue because people want to turn that around and try to ignore everything that's happened in our government with the bad leadership and make every issue about whether abortion is continuing to be legal. And I, I, like I said, I don't like get on hobby horses, but I want you to understand the importance of that. You need to be able to speak clearly, succinctly, and intelligently about what God says from His Word about the beginning of life. Okay? Because if our present leadership had their way, they could commit abortion as the child is coming down the birth canal. You know, people say, I want, I need, I deserve, to this God says, take no thought for your life, what you eat, what you drink, your body, your clothing. And so I read that passage because I said this is the second in a series of messages on take, and there's things that God says for us to take. And I won't go to there, but in Psalm 116, verses 1 through 13, verse 13, it tells us, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. And as I said last week, the single most important decision you will ever make is what you do with Jesus. It's not husband, wife, children, job, place to live, where, what you're going to do. It's what have you done with Jesus. And people need to know that. God says, take the cup of salvation. The second point we had last week as we looked at it, and that was take my yoke. Because Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. And we said that's, you know, the take the cup is talking about salvation. Take my yoke is talking about serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Taking his yoke. And what that service meant, his, his yoke was to please his Father. And so we need to do the same thing. For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they what? Are and were created. And then we finished up last week. See, the first point was salvation. The second point we had dealt with our service. And the third point had to deal with our suffering. Because you were told in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 25, to take up his cross. And we spent some time looking at that last week. And tonight... The next point we're going to look at, I want you to turn to John chapter 11. 
Gospel of John, chapter 11. They said, if you're saved, okay, you've taken the cup of salvation, you need to understand you got saved to serve Him. It's not about you, it's about Him. If you're going to serve Him, you're going to suffer. The issue is, if you live for self, you will suffer for the sin you commit. Lost people suffer for their sin during their life, and then they suffer an eternity in the lake of fire. A saved person can suffer for their sin, because whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you receive not chastening, then you're bastards and not sons, according to Hebrews. Or you can have suffering that's going to come into your life because you're serving the Savior. You've taken and you've identified with the cross. And I told you, we read passages in 1 Peter and it says, He that suffereth in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Okay, there's certain issues that take place. When you're serving the Lord, guess what? Things will happen to you. I tell you all the time, the Bible is two-thirds negative, one-third positive. The most positive thing that can happen to a believer is to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. But in this life, things will happen. And so you need to take up the cup, and there will be sufferings. And then as you go through that suffering for the Lord, what's your attitude? When things aren't your way, things aren't going what you want, when you're going through it, and I told you before that one of the biggest problems with Christians is that when we see someone else going through something, they want to look at them and say, that must be happening because they've done something wrong. And we have no right to open our mouths to them because we don't know what they're going through. We don't know what caused it. And sometimes God allows suffering so that person can give him more glory. We need to remember that. Now tonight, as I said, we're going to start in John chapter 11. And Pastor Caleb actually gave me more time tonight. You think I'm going to let you out early? John chapter 11 in verse 20. Now the context of this is Lazarus is dead and he's in the tomb. As we read this, he's been dead for four days. Okay? John chapter 11, verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou shalt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary, 
that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, he, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned and the spirit was troubled. See, we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted like as we are yet without sin. And we're told to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our Savior is a compassionate Christ and he suffers with us. And he said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It, it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Mary and her sister of him that was dead said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. <laughs> you getting the picture of what's going on here? Four days. They're doubting anything. They're grieving. They're in mourning. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary had, and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. You say, what's the important part of this? Okay, Because we've looked at the need of salvation, the cup of salvation. We've seen the fact that we're called to serve him and that in serving him we will suffer. And you know what we run into sometimes when we're serving him? Stumbling blocks. Stumbling blocks. The stone over the grave was a stumbling block for them to believe and what their master, what their savior could do. You know what stumbling blocks are in the Christian life when you need to remember that? We get caught on them, don't we? You know, you stumble over the thing and you fall down and then sometimes you just, I just don't want to get up again. I don't want to get up. You know what the stumbling block in a believer's life is for? It's an opportunity for the grace and the power of God to be demonstrated for you. Sometimes it's a stumbling block and it doesn't get removed quickly. And God wants to try your faith. And you need to see if God's going to get glory, you've got to believe. See, a stumbling block can allow the power of God to be shown in your life to increase your faith and get you to act upon it. See, the stumbling block for you is no big deal to our Savior. He told them, roll the stone away. He'd already told Mary and Martha, you're going to see the glory and the power of God. But Lord, he stinks. 
The condition of their brother was a stumbling block to them more than the rock that was over the entrance of the cave. And sometimes we just think, you know, you ever have anybody say to you, that's somebody God can't save? God will never work in the heart of that person. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. See, we need to remember that. You need to understand your faith is no better than what you are willing to act upon. Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'm going to give you another illustration of this. If we don't get past this one point, I want you to get this point tonight. Okay? That also makes I'm ahead of schedule for next week. John chapter 5, look at verse 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity of 30 in how many years? See, because what he was, he was laying at the, the sheep market at the pool of Bethesda, where the angel would come and do what? Stir the water, and whoever could get into the pool first got healed. I used to be quick. Now I just quack. Hey, I was working around the house today, and I, all I could remember was that the, the reward goes to those who were slow and steady. It just don't move like I used to move. See? The first one stepped in would be made whole to whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there, verse 5, which had an infirmity of 30 and 8 years. Can you imagine? Come to that Bethesda pool for 38 years? When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, saith, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But when I am coming, another steppeth down before me. I hate to lose. I've told you before, I'm very competitive. You're part of the family now. I'm not as quite as competitive as Karen is in playing card games. I know that. <laughs> I was learning that because... I've told you before, I, I have to be careful. I'm so competitive, I've knocked women on the floor to win musical chairs. Okay, you can't do that. All right? And he said, there's no one there. Can you imagine being there and not being able to get in the water? See, maybe you don't see things as I see it, but can you? that guy's sitting there, he's frustrated. You understand? And he can't get in the water. There's no one to help me. He's crying out, I have no man. Isn't that the sinner's cry? No man cared for my soul. Jesus saith them, Rise, take up thy bed, and what? Walk. And immediately the man was made, he never got to the water, and was made whole and took up his bed and walked on the same day was the Sabbath. What if he had laid there and said, But I told you I couldn't get anybody to put me in the water? And never even bothered to try to what? To get up. Then the Jews therefore said unto him, Okay, and immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and 
walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that it, that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. <laughs> he answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that it was healed wist not know who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away in the multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. You say what I'm saying to you? He didn't even know. You know what the problem is so many times with believers? We pretend like we know Jesus. But when he speaks to us, we don't obey. And you know what we lose? The blessings and miracles of God. Faith is something that's to be acted upon. And we need to always remember that. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of who? God. If you're going to have faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the, the evidence of things not seen. It needs to be acted upon. And when you're asking God in prayer and you say, I believe, at least be honest like the centurion and say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And then act upon it. I have this picture in my mind when I read that passage of when I was a little kid. I was four years old and my father, I think I've told you the story before, my father was going to teach us how to swim. Now my father taught hundreds of Marines how to swim on a carrier crossing the Pacific, going over to fight the Japanese in World War II. And he used to teach them how, the Marines how to swim because you think, well, a Marine. You know what the Marines are? They're supposed to be the amphibious expedi expeditionary landing force. A bunch of guys join the, you know, and they teach you, and you're in the Marine boot camp. They'll teach you about your firearm. They teach you about this. They teach you about all these things, but they don't necessarily throw you in a pond and say swim, especially in a time of war. And he was teaching them how to swim. So my father would take him and throw him off the fantail of the carrier. And by the time they went down and came back up sputtering, he dove into the water, was next to them, would put his arms under another Marine and say, now you're not going to drown. I'm here for you. Start pulling water like a dog. Anybody can doggy paddle. You can drown-proof your kids. Throw your dog in the pond. They won't drown. They can watch the dog swim and say, go and do thou likewise. Well, I was four years old. My father had a way of teaching people how to swim. And we're down at the bay. I can't. I'm afraid, Dad. Your sister's out in the water. Your brother's, your other sister's in the water. you got to swim. I don't know. How? I was saying how because by that time I was up in the air coming down onto the water. And I went under, and when I came up, my father was there, and his arms were underneath me, and he says, now I've got you. I won't let you drown. Start grabbing water like a dog and kick your feet. I learned how to swim. But you know what I had to do? I had to trust my father. Christian, you know what you got to do? Trust your Heavenly Father. 
It may seem like you're not coming to the surface, but he won't let you drown. You still with me? Okay. Go to Mark chapter 2. Yeah, we'll only finish this point tonight. Mark chapter 2. Verse 3. Well, here, well, at the beginning of the chapter, it says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. They were outside the house. They couldn't even get near him. Kind of like a... I, I hope this is not a bad example, but you know, it's turn, turn around. There were so many people around him, it was like Trump having a meeting. No. Jesus wasn't a Democrat. I'm sorry. Standing room only, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Poor Joe Shelton's got to filter this before it goes. <laughs> and straightway many were gathered together, so much there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick with the palsy, which was born of four. Four guys were carrying this guy's bed. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the, <laughs> they uncovered the roof where he was when they had broken it up and let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, the sick of palsy, thy sins... Son, thy sins be what? Forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And that's right, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus is God the Son. He can forgive sins. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to arise, take up thy bed, and walk. It's harder to forgive the sins. What was the cost of that, people? Cross. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that, that they that were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen it on this fashion. Say, why is that? Because the man who got healed wasn't the one with the faith to know that Jesus would heal him. But there were four who helped him. In the man's healing, the miracle took place because four people had faith to believe that the Savior could heal. Think about that. Think about it. It wasn't the guy in the bed whose faith, they carried the bed up on the roof. They lowered the man's bed down through. Can you picture that thing? They pulled the thatch roof off the top of the house or the tiles or whatever it was. There's the, the rafter pieces and they lowered him down his bed between them, down at the feet of Jesus. And he healed him. 
If a brother be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, knowing ye yourselves likewise also can be tempted. Sometimes our faith can help those who aren't there yet. But you've got to get the stone out of the way. Amen? You have to believe. You've removed stumbling blocks so your faith can be acted upon. You don't want to be a stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says, But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Romans 14 and verse 13, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. The thing God wants you to take tonight is to take away the stumbling block. You with me? All God's people said, good night and God bless. I'm done at 8.30. <laughs>